Hey guys, just a quick reminder that anything we say or talk about in this podcast is not financial advice. It is purely opinion-based and is meant for entertainment and educational purposes. We do recommend though that you seek professional advice from a licensed advisor for your situation. All right, on with the show. Do you want to start us off this time? Oh, okay. Um, hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm. Uh, I'm Keelan, and today I have Anthony with me, as usual. How are we doing, Anthony? Pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. cold at the moment. It is. It is. It is very chilly out there um, for a spring day. Yeah, I thought we were over the coldness. <laughs> well, I mean, with room pay closing, I'm surprised that it's even cold at all. But here we are, sitting in an office freezing our butts off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so welcome everybody to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm. Uh, we're your hosts. And as you know, we like to talk about all the fun, exciting, um, I guess, new or weird things going on in the property or NZ markets. Uh, today, we've got a pretty interesting set of topics for us all to discuss. Yeah, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, right? Gonna hopefully keep you guys a bit entertained, hopefully give you something you guys hadn't heard before, and hopefully some things that make you think about your future a little bit differently. Yeah. Well, speaking of future, are you sick of wearing masks? Well, I'm not sick sick of it. I'm not like every day I go have to go put one on. I'm ready to rip it off or anything like that. But yeah, I'm certainly seeing the point of wearing a mask less and less nowadays, right? Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people care anymore. Um, I mean, the reason why I asked is because the first article we've got uh, comes from stuff.co.nz. It says, it highlights that the Prime Minister, um, Jacinda Ardern, uh, refuses to draw uh, on shift to green. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, our COVID response ended up being a traffic light system where green is fully open. Um, we were at red for a long time with a lot of restrictions. And then we got moved to orange with only a few restrictions. Yeah. And that's where we're currently sitting, right? That, we've been sitting on orange for a very long time. Surprisingly, I keep forgetting that we're even on a traffic yeah. light system with half the way yeah. some places treat the COVID code and everything. I gave up on updating myself on the traffic light system a long time ago, just mm -hmm. because it just got really mundane and... We're on that we're on that number system, right? Yeah. And then we moved to a traffic light system, and then I think we moved back to the number system for a it little bit. It was all confusing. And then we went back to this new version of the traffic light system, which is just those three colors instead of like each color having an A and a B yeah. gradient of it. So yeah, so uh, at the moment it looks like Jacinta doesn't want to really she doesn't really want to give any certainty as to like whether or not we're moving or whether or not the system that we're on at the moment is even working for us anymore, right? And so I guess the issue is, is a lot of people are still quite frustrated. There doesn't seem to be as much, um, you know, talk around COVID being such a prevalent thing. I think more or less these days, people are just getting the flu. <laughs> yeah, I They're think They're just getting just the flu. flu. Yeah. Um, and then that's it, right? So there's not really, it's still definitely out there. COVID is still definitely a big worry, but it's whether or not it's really causing as much um, damage and medical issues as what it was before. Yeah, so the case numbers um, in hospitals have, it's been its lowest since it started. So I think people are just sick of the restrictions being around. Um, and like I said, I don't really see a lot of people wearing masks anymore, even though it's technically still a mandate. It's still technically a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like it's, it's definitely, like when you walk into a restaurant, not a single customer is wearing it because you don't have to wear it in the restaurant. The staff have to wear it and that's fine. But customer wise, you don't have to wear one at all. And, you know, walking around shopping centers, going into even some like countdowns and new worlds and stuff like that. Yeah. Although it's a mandatory requirement, they don't stop you on it. No staff member tells you to put it on. No, 
No. I've only ever heard it again recently um, on a flight. Yeah, for, for flights, yeah, that's probably one exception where everybody has to be masked up the whole time. You have to show you're vaccinated. You have to have a negative test, right? Mm. But everywhere else, it's very, very relaxed. Everybody is quite done with the system. Yeah, it's just so loose. I think everyone just got used to living with this virus. And yeah, like I said, everyone's over it. So let's just move on with our lives. Yeah, I guess the issue is, is that Jacinta doesn't want to move us yet. Well, she hasn't given that indication that, yes, we are going to move. It's just that we're still stuck here in that current orange light system. But nobody apart from her seems to care. Nobody else does. <laughs> I didn't even know, right? Hopefully we move to green and then, and then masks just become a thing of the past. I, I still definitely think it's going to be a point in the future now is we'll probably adopt more of the... Uh, Chinese approach to masks is that instead of everybody wearing it for the sake of others, you wear it when you're sick to stop yourself from infecting others so that you are respectful of others. You wear it when you're sick to keep the sickness in you rather than you going out there and spreading it, which I think would be a really nice yeah, that's policy. Heavily, that's heavily reliant on the individual person caring about someone oh, else. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely is. But hopefully that is kind of the policy that we do adapt in the future because then we can start to see that, you know, if somebody is sick and they do need to be out and about, they wear a mask or something like that to stop them from spreading it, right? Yeah. And they're showing respect to others. Mm. But, I mean, you'll have to wait and see, right? We will have to wait and see. Yeah. And, yep, like I said, nobody really cares. Uh, I guess life moves on. Yeah, everybody, I think everybody's just done with COVID. Yeah. Done with it, done with the name, done with the story. They just want to move on with their lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Well, speaking of moving on, we are moving right along to, well, actually back to talking about cars. We love this topic. We love cars. Um, <laughs> I, I swear some of you guys must be listening to us and going, is this a property show or is this just a car show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe both. <laughs> um, so this one comes from America, actually. We're uh, flying all the way over to the Americas. Um, this one comes from CNBC. Mm -hmm. And it reports that California is the banning the sales of new gas-powered cars by 2035. So goodbye fuel emissions. Goodbye Hello, petrol. More electric cars. And that's that's what they're wanting to do. Yep. And I think Sydney is also doing the same. This one comes from uh, a website called savings.com.au. They, Sydney reportedly, is also wanting to ban petrol cars by 2027. So my big question is, will their power grid support all the electric cars? California, I think, will. They, they're, they've got quite a lot of solar and wind farms out that way. Um, it's also a big city. It's also a big city. There is a lot of people. Now, now 2035 is quite a way away. That's 13 years for them. So, I mean, I guess for the businesses that are selling new cars and stuff in the area, they've, they've got lots of time to adapt. Whether or not they do or they don't, right, that's up to them. But for Sydney, 2027, that's, that's not far. Five years for a business to basically otherwise adapt yeah. or die um, is going to be a real problem. So just to, just to clarify, this is this is on talking about the sale of new cars. So secondhand cars, refurbished cars, all those kinds of things will still be fine. Yeah, anything that's out and about on the roads won't be affected. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anything that's, that's um, just been resold, anything like that, that's all going to be fine. Um, you will probably start to see that, yeah, there's going to be a lot more push on these electric vehicles as they're trying to bump up the demand and trying to drive up that that um, demand from people. But I guess probably the one other side to this is is what's going to start happening when these cars all need to be replaced. So I think the general rule of thumb with most electric cars is that about every five, seven, ten years, 
the uh, batteries do need to be replaced. And the batteries themselves are not always the easiest to recycle. Yeah, I guess that's the one of the big issues is that what do you do with the old batteries? If we're heading into renewable energy, it sounds like we are just replacing an old battery with a new one. Yep. Don't know what to do with the old one. If it cannot be recharged or recycled, like Keelan was saying, where are we going to put it? Yep. And then it's like, are we, instead of just digging up fossils in order to put them into our tanks, are we now going to have to start burying well, our maybe, batteries. Maybe the hope is in a thousand years' time, they dig up all the old batteries and it turns into another re renewable energy. Oh, uh, yes, and then we just recycle. <laughs> so, yeah, just like what we did with the dinosaurs into fuel, maybe we'll recycle yeah, um, batteries. Maybe we'll recycle batteries. <laughs> but, yeah, so I guess that's another point is, yeah, I guess another side of this is that although, you're yeah, great, the plan is to switch over entirely to electric cars, it's like, are we now just delaying what starts to get dumped, right? So instead of it being dumping and having this carbon... Um, an oxide from our cars go out, are we now going to have to start dumping a lot more batteries into landfills yep. um, if we can't come up with an effective way to recycle them, right? Mm. And at the moment, there really isn't. Um, so that's hopefully the batteries get a little more green in the next couple of years. Well, hopefully. And the thing is, it took us so long to get to EV cars. Yes. I just don't think there's enough time for the whole world to catch up into going EV. And the thing is, like a lot of uh, third world countries still rely on diesel. Well, because they don't have the power grids themselves yeah. <laughs> to be able to support that kind but of But I stuff. suppose if California follows and Sydney follows and let's say the entire, you know, 50% of America follows, that's still quite a big, um, it's a big win for climate change. I'm just imagining, you know, in movies where it's like a post-apocalyptic scene and everything is electric, everything's futuristic. And then the, the highlight of the movie is the protagonist going into a garage and and just revving up his old, you know, Mustang or something. Yeah. I feel like, you know, That's fuel cut. Yeah. In the case. It's yeah, going to so, be like that. Whoa, you have a petrol car? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I may as well just keep my Impreza for however long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you just never drive it again, leave it in the exact case that you've got, yeah. sit it there, dust cover it, and then it'll be some vintage thing in about 30, yeah. 40 years. Yeah, and then if I want to sell it, it'll be worth millions. It'll be worth millions. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the hope anyway. That's the hope. So, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully you'll start to see the price of EVs come down because the demand's going to be up there. There's now a lot more reason for you to switch over to an EV car. Just I don't mindful. think so. Somehow, don't think somehow so? I don't think it's going to go down that drastically. Well, there's going to be more people to buy them, right? So there's less stock sitting around. Now, the offset to that is how much of those can they produce? Yeah, exactly. How many Tesla, oh, how many Teslas or Nissan Leafs or um, I think you can get an EV Dodge Challenger now with a fake sounding engine. Uh, so it makes a fake, fake grunting, fake, noise. fake, fake engine sounds. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, you'll have to wait and see um, what the kind of situation is. But, you know, we'll probably start to see that. Well, the computers in them are getting smarter, obviously. I wonder if, it, you know, you can just make your own noise and record it. So every time you rev up, you'll just sound like... Well, that's, what they do. that's what they do. That's what, that's what these electric Mustang muscle cars yeah. do, is that they have the electric engine. But then as you push on the accelerator, something else pushes on, like, the rev on, on the, the speaker. Yeah. So then it also makes it... What if you can personalize it? Oh, I'm sure you could. You yeah. can. You can pers if you can personalize a Tesla horn, you can personalize the way your engine sounds. Oh, that'll be interesting. That will yeah. be. That will be very. There's be a lot of annoying sounds coming out of your accelerator. <laughs> Moving on to uh, some other annoying sounds. Oh, um, great! Secretly, the government made an annoying sound when they said that they were going to tax our KiwiSavers. Oh. <laughs> Terrible. Now, this comes out of the NZ Herald where um, there's an article here that the government uh, has tried to sneakily push in a new tax onto our KiwiSavers. 
Uh, now that tax would would literally go onto your you know your retirement savings, and um, and it would literally take a portion out of it every year, just like your taxes do. Mm-hmm. So their hope is that they're going to use this in order to help recoup some of the costs of what uh, all that spending that they made from COVID, <laughs> yeah. um, and putting that extra three hundred dollars into everyone's pockets over the last three months. Um, we always ask that question: Where are they getting? Where are going to get the money from? And yeah. This is it. This is where they're going to get the money from. So the the, the tax bill was actually going to generate or cost about one hundred and three billion dollars. Now the the expectation was that in fifty years it was going to charge about two billion per year, right? So it was eventually by twenty seventy to have reached one hundred and three billion dollars, which sounds great from the government's perspective because they've just boosted their pockets by one hundred and three billion dollars. But from our perspectives. First thing I'm going to go is, is why the heck are you taxing my savings? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. my hard-earned savings. And it's supposed to be um, a scheme An for retirement. For your retirement, right? Yeah, or like um, to purchase your first house or yeah, that kind correct. of thing. If you're already being taxed once on your savings, why oh, on your income, sorry, why the heck would you go, yeah. oh, yeah, cool, go tax my savings yeah. too while you're at it? Yeah, well, if anything, this would just put more fuel into the fire because a lot of people already don't like the current government and... Now they've tried to quietly do this. Yeah, and I and I think it's unfortunate because during COVID they were they had made the in my opinion the best decisions for us. They kept as many people employed and and you know homed and fed as much as they could, right? And this was always going to be the unfortunate side of things is that how are they going to now cover back this money? Yeah, um, because they did. They had to support a lot of people. Um, there were a lot of people not getting paid, and so the government had to step in and make those payments for you. Um, and so, unfortunately, it's now become the issue that the government needs to make back its money. But uh, KiwiSaver was not the way to go. Um, and and rightfully so, everyone else agreed with me and they had to immediately retract it right after making that statement. So the minute the, um, the NZ public found out about it, there was major, major backlash yeah. about, um, about this. Um, the entire sentiment was no. <laughs> and so they've quickly withdrawn it. So... Just, just to clarify, everybody. Although the government was going to tax you, uh, they have now withdrawn that statement because the, not, they're not going to do it because they'd be hated even more, um, and, and their ele- next election would go even more. Even south. worse. Yeah, even worse. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, in theory, for, I guess from their perspective, it sounded like a good plan, right? It was a good way for them to help recover their money. The problem is, is that in by taxing people's Kiwi Savers, it incentivizes or you know gives you less of a reason to want to do it, right? Mm. And the government also uses that money by investing it in, into their projects. That's how like a KiwiSaver investment works or you know, those funds work because they invest it into things to help get you your returns. But if they're going to start taxing you on it, why on earth would you want to put your money on it? it? It does more harm than good from the in all reality. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing they listened. It is. It's a very good thing that they listened. Um, because yeah, I think the the backlash would have been far far worse if this had actually made it through. Um, so yeah, good thing to know. Your Kiwi savers are safe, everybody. For now, um, Labor has has decided not to go ahead and tax you. But just just be noteful that there was a brief moment where you were probably going to be taxed. Yeah, I think the other half of the frustration was the fact that they tried to sneak that in they didn't they didn't yeah. make it they didn't publicly ask like in the past they had made it public forums and lots of voting rights around it right um i think they did it with legalizing weed right they made it a big public thing 
got everybody's huge, got all these huge votes up, you know, had all of these discussions. But then when it came to taxing the KiwiSavers, <laughs> let's just try and walk it past everybody super quietly now. Yeah. It wasn't a public affair. And it just shows that they know it wasn't going to receive a positive return. Yeah. from the people. So, well, it was never going to be positive even if they got passed. No, it wasn't. Of course, it was going to be immediately wanted to be undone. So it just shows that they, they knew what they were going to do wasn't going to be liked, and so they, but they knew that they needed to do something like this. Well, it was never a win-win situation. No, um, no, no, never. But in any case, Keelan, travel news. Travel news. Travel news. So this one comes from onenews.co.nz. Climate change experts urge Kiwis to axe travel. Even from that statement, that's not going to happen. We uh, are no. wanting to leave. We want our holidays. It's, it's been locked down for the past two, three years. Mm-hmm. Yep. That ain't going to happen. I think everyone just wants to go out. Everybody just wants to leave the country. I guess this is coming from climate experts, right? Is that unfortunately at the moment, electric air travel is not, <laughs> no, really, no. not really achievable. And so, you know, they're wanting us to try and pull back on how much flying that we're doing because the cost of fuel and what it actually puts into the atmosphere isn't very nice. And saying that, yeah, I agree with Anthony here. Um, no, I, 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 I want to travel. Um, I want to go to Australia. I am Australian. So I like the idea of being what? able to go home for my family. Oh, sorry. Did I not tell you? What? People don't know you're Australian. Oh, is that supposed to be a secret? Oh, well, oh. it's too late. Oh, well. Now we know. You can send it my It makes hate- sense, people. You can send all your hate mail to Anthony's address. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can go Did find you know him. I'm not Kiwi? I'm from the Philippines. Did you know that? Oh, okay. Can you not tell from the audio form that we're recording right now or that I'm Filipino? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it's a bit of sarcasm, people. It's fine. We like to have fun here. We like to have fun. We're, we're yeah. trying not to be um, yeah. mean. But yeah, so I mean, they're just trying to push everyone not to do it. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd rather spend three hours flying than 30 days on the water trying to paddle in my canoe to get to Australia, you know? So um, I, I, unfortunately, it's going to be the thing is that tra- flights or flying is still the best way for us to to actually get to places, right? Even by boat, it takes three, four days to get across the ditch. Um, yeah, and prices, prices are the same as well. And prices are, even if it's a little bit more, because you've got to feed yourself for those four days, you yeah. know? So it, it just doesn't make sense to to try and make people pull back and be stuck in these countries. And the other thing is that a lot of exporting and, and importing happens via flying. It's not the most effective, but it still happens that way. It's just the fastest way. It's the most. It's the fastest way of getting things done and transporting things, right? Um, and I guess they just want people to be aware that they really should try to pull back. One statement here is that he's made is that we're actually going to reach pre-COVID air travel by 2024. So from 2020, you know, pandemic where everything stopped, in 2019 where those levels is what we were flying, we'll probably have to see those again by 2024. And um, I guess the thing is there is that we were quite. We were quite skittish then. Everybody was flying. Everybody was going everywhere. Oh, yeah. going on holiday twice, three times a year, you know? Um, and so the worry there is that, you know, all these low supplies of oil and trying to afford it all, it's just going to start going up and up. Um, and not to mention, obviously, that effect on the environment. Yeah. Um, there's a, there is a comment here saying, um, you know, maybe a suggestion would be maybe rather than going every couple of years to go and see family, maybe try every four years. Mm. Yeah, that's probably a good advice. On, on a personal level, uh, we try to go to the Philippines to, see, to visit family every five years. Yeah. But because of the pandemic, I think we've just missed it even more. And the only reason why uh, air travel is speeding up now is because of, you know, the fact that we couldn't do it you for couldn't the do last it three years. Yeah. 
So now you want to do it now, right? Yeah. And the thing is being away from family is such a burden. Um, mental health wise, you know, if you're alone in this country or in Australia and you want to visit home, you just couldn't. And the first thing you do is fly out when you could. Yep. And, and yeah, and I guess it's that thing. I couldn't do it now. So I'm going to do it now is now you've got the ability. So why not go now? Yeah. We don't need the extra guilt. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go guilting me. I'm going to enjoy my flights and my in-flight cookie. Um, so look, let's move on to some actual property news here. Um, wow, it took us 20 minutes to get to property. It took us 20 minutes to actually get to property. Uh, Great. And maybe we should actually probably... It's a good stuff. It's good it's, stuff. It's good stuff. Property news and now actually getting yeah. there. Uh, NZ's cheapest houses of 2022. Do-ups, deceased estates, and a surprise twist in Dunedin. Um, so yeah, it looks like not only are luxury homes on the up and up for you know people trying to switch out for some super cheap million dollar houses i don't think those words really go together do they (laughs) um but you know also the cheapest houses are starting to sell um so it looks it founds that um 1793 houses sold for less than 500k bay of plenty um got the biggest portion um of sub 500k houses and while wellington had only um just one house sell in the last year of less than 500k congratulations wellington yeah congrats on wellington for having a house less than 500k and still looking like it was built in the 1930s yeah yeah so um look it looks like a lot of people nowadays are look going for trying to find the most out of town cheapest Mm. most beaten up bungalow and then they're making that their home right They're, they're renovating it they're doing it up um, or demolishing it and starting fresh. Um, but it looks like they're starting fresh with some nice new houses. Um, and, and I guess when, when I mean that, you know, these houses really do need some work, they, they really do need some work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can find this article on um, oneroof.co.nz. And yeah, they have photos of the houses and it's more than just one do-up. It's probably going to cost you quite a bit more money, uh, but not, not that much more money. The skeleton of the houses look like they're still sound. They, they look sound. They look sound. They look it's... sound. Everything else, probably not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's it is that some people are now turning, they're, they're picking up more on that look at what the opportunities are with this house rather than how it actually looks right now. Um, and so some people are picking up some absolute bargains. There are some people here picking up um, some houses in Westport for like 86 or 160K, quite, you know, rundown old houses. Uh, a house in Parklands, Christchurch, sold for only 190, and then it was resold in July for 229. That that's a bit of a rarity there. A two-bedroom house sold for 650 in Queenstown, which for Queenstown is quite cheap, yeah. I would say. And it actually isn't quite that rundown. It's no. actually quite a nice house. It looks quite recently painted too. So uh, yeah, people aren't always looking for the biggest and the flashiest house, right? People are just what they can afford. It's what they can afford. Um, and I guess, you know, even in Auckland, you know, some of the cheapest homes um, was a 1930 cabin. I mean, that this is Auckland. And I mean, it did sell for $425,000. Although it has appreciated in value because in June, it got a rating value of 610. Wow. So they actually made a bit on that property. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes, you know, you shouldn't be looking for the nicest and prettiest house. You should be looking for something that you know you can grow from. And even if the house is an absolute eyesore, you can still make that house something worth growing from. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it could be your getaway home. It could be something as simple as that. And it would be quite cheap because most of these houses won't actually cost a lot up front. 
and you maybe spend an extra 100 120k if you can afford it yeah on renovating it and making it into a nice home but it's still a lot cheaper than going out and buying something in say auckland city which would cost you eight nine hundred k yeah and that would be probably only a townhouse that would probably be only a townhouse yeah that. yeah um and i think this brings it back as well to the article we mentioned last week uh, in the last uh, podcast on the couple that relocated the villa uh the asbestos house yes the asbestos yeah. house they took you know quite a rundown old house which wasn't tidy wasn't clean it wasn't even you know livable as it was but they made it into something they yeah. made it into like a really nice, very expensive house. And it looks stunning, right? Yeah. So it's not to say that you can't repair and do up these older houses with which have got these damage, but sometimes it is just easier just to replace the bits. Yeah, I think you just got to be smart about it as well. Um, my question though to you, Keelan, mm. if people start catching on and it, you know it's becoming more popular now to buy outside of the cities, Yes. do you think it's going to drive the prices higher? because of the demand or like the popularity of buying outside of cities? I mean, this is just, this is, uh, this is purely just an opinion, right? And it's very speculative. So I guess it really is, is that, yeah, in the case that more people start looking at these older do up houses is that yes, it's going to start driving up the value because there's now more demand for people who are still wanting it. But I guess the issue there is that it starts to become a very fine line between where the do up is actually doable and when the do-up is just no longer worth it, right? Yeah. So I'll probably find that there is actually quite a, a ceiling on them, on their house prices, on how high these older do-ups will go, because there'll be a point, there'll be a very fine point where it goes, this is no longer a do-up. This is somebody hoping to actually, you know, make something out of this property and actually live in it, or is hoping that they're just going to be able to flip it instead of it being something more for themselves or just being a renovation job. Yeah. I mean, over the years, I've seen, you know, smaller coastal towns grow exponentially. My wife's family friends have a batch on Waihi Beach. Mm. And the first time I went there was, was a few years ago before COVID. It was pretty quiet, nice place. Very um, quiet you know, town. very local town. The, the market was on every Sunday. Yeah. Um, but we recently went back a few weeks ago and there was already three-story townhouses on it. So yeah, that developed quite quickly yep, because of the demand and because it was next to a beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because of how cheap it is, right? It's really easy to move in. Well, those townhouses were $3 million. Oh, those townhouses <laughs> were a bit different. But for like the older houses, yeah, yeah. they would have been quite cheap. And so for that developer, they would have been really mm. easy. And the land is still quite huge out there. It's still it's very sizable for what you pay, right? And I guess the, the trade-off with that being as cheap as being for the size that you get of land is that you aren't near any central place, right? So if you are somebody who's looking and needs to be near the cities, you know, that really isn't going to work from you. Is if you're somebody who can commute or you could work remotely, yep, that's definitely the way that you can do it. You can compromise yourself, right? You can live in an external town or a you know, smaller place. But if you can't, then you need to look at what else can you do with this property? Could you fix it up and rent it out to somebody? Which being a smaller town is still gonna be tough it's going to be very tough to find a rent, someone to rent it because there isn't as many people, right? Yeah. So you have to be a little more relaxed on who you take. You may take somebody who isn't as nice um, or who isn't the most ideal tenant. I mean, ideally, it would be like a, it would be just be a holiday home for you and your yeah. family. Yeah. And I mean, if you only have to pay $80,000 over 30 years plus an extra hundred for renovations-ish, a 200K house is probably not going to be too hard to afford. No, no. 
Um, we like to jump spectrums here on this podcast. So we're jumping right on the other side of the cost uh, spectrum. This one comes, uh, well, the data from this comes from screenrant.com. Um, so hard left turn. Lord of the Rings. Hard, hard left. Very hard. It's probably more of a U-turn. Um, Lord of the Rings, New, New Zealand's, Zealand's mascot. Yeah, New Zealand's famous famous TV show. Yeah. Um, that brought us on, you know, made us famous. Uh, very good trilogy of movies. Also really good um, book series. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, but recently, I think it was last week, uh, Amazon released the first two episodes of, I guess, a prequel of this um it's not getting good reviews and the reason why i bring this up is this is uh that's a lot of millions section yes um so this prequel tv show amazon decided to purchase the television rights of lord of the rings for 250 million in 2017 um so that immediately makes it the most expensive tv show just, just to buy the rights cost you $250 million. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yikes. Um, Screen Rant is reporting that in the first season alone, it's going to cost them $462 million. Uh, that's, a lot. that's a lot, man. Mm. That, that's way too much. Um, but, I mean, the money looks like it was spent mostly on the effects and costume design because I've seen the first two episodes, the look of it is spectacular it looks like they did spend heaps of time and money on the cgi like i said the costume and set design it's really unfortunate that it's boring that's my opinion you can go watch it um (laughs) so it's really pretty to look at but it's also boring yeah i came away yeah i man i did not care about a single character it just became so boring i think they just missed out on good writing and um, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes will back me up here. The, <laughs> uh, the um, Rotten Tomatoes average audience score is 39%. That's quite low for a much loved movie and story uh, series from Tolkien, which is unfortunate because, again, they spent so much money. I mean, this is all coming from the pockets of Jeff Bezos. So, I mean, he's got lots of money. It's a drop in, I mean, it's still not a drop in the ocean, but. It's definitely a lot smaller of a, a hit to the bank account for him than, yeah. than a lot of us. Um, and I'm, uh, weirdly enough, it's, it's expected that the um, the TV show is supposed to cost in total once it's all finished, as if it gets through, you know, all the episodes and stories that it's hoping to do, is going to cost about one billion dollars to produce. One billion dollars just to produce a TV show. Yeah, and why Amazon Video only costs in New Zealand eight dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm, the, the math there just doesn't seem to. No. I mean, I don't. Like, we're not. We're not financial. Um, spe- like, you know, we're not professionals when it comes to looking at, you know, trying to figure out the cost returns on yeah. on something like this. But yeah, spending one billion dollars and then per user only getting eight dollars back. Mm, that's that's a lot. That's a that's a lot to cover. That's a lot of users you're going to need to watch this. It's just a lot of subscriptions to go through. Um, I mean, if they're not banking on the subscription, then they'll have to get it from somewhere else. I feel like this could have been split into another trilogy, perhaps. But who knows, depending on how many seasons they're wanting to go through. Uh, the first two episodes, it's not... I mean, the, Nothing's again, really eye-grabbing. And the, I mean, yeah, CGI is impressive, but story-wise, not so much. I mean, I think the other issue here is that they dropped it right after the other... Uh, the, mytholo- other the, other, the other big TV series. The big mythological TV show, um, which is, uh, 
I think it's Game of Thrones, House of Dragons. Yeah, which is also a prequel to a much loved, except for the end, uh, TV series called Game of Thrones. Yeah. So it's, you know, for some reason they chose to release it now when it's direct competition, right? And the problem when it's direct competition is that it splits viewers. Yeah. So only some of them are going to watch one show and only some are going to watch the other. So, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense as to why you would drop it now. Why would you not just wait? Yeah. Well, I guess you just said it right there. Waiting is probably a good thing because I probably will wait until the show is finished until I want to see the uh, third episode. <laughs> um, it's just it's just not looking good. And there's already there was a lot of backlash before it was released anyway because it's a lot of the hardcore fans weren't happy with the decisions that, you know, in terms of casting mm. and whatnot. Again, that's another it's a political issue. Uh, we won't get into it. Um, so from the get-go, it, it wasn't expecting a lot of people to view it. Yeah. Yeah. So and then after these two first two episodes, again, audience score very low. Very, very low. Ah, uh, so let's move right past that. Let's go back to let's, property. Let's you turn again back to more property, uh, and this time we'll step down to Hamilton. Um, so at the moment, uh, a lot of the larger cities, so Auckland, Hamilton, uh, and I believe Wellington and Christchurch, are also moving through. Um, what's called density rezoning. So they're making all of, say, the single house zones into suburban and urban zones in order to build more houses closer to the city hubs, right? Um, I guess the issue with that, um, I think we've spoken on this before, is is mainly around transportation, road access density. to road density, services, all that kind of stuff that needs to operate in these areas. So it's not really just like a quick fix, right, where you just flip a switch and you go, all right, cool, now you can build up to a seven-story apartment building on your road, no problems, go right ahead. You know, so there's a lot more that needs to go into this. They need to think through it quite hard. Um, it has been announced recently that the Auckland rezoning has been delayed um, due to wanting to reassess the situation and plan it out further. So, Which some, is good. Which is good. They need to think this through. Um, it is better that they think it through rather than... Um, just rush it. Um, and that's the same issue that's going on in Hamilton. Uh, so in Hamilton's case, though, the, the city council is actually going ahead to it with it. But the people, the people are the ones who are pushing back and saying, can you can you take some more time, please, and just consider this? Um, now, the issue is, is that there is a lot of developers and housing plans that are now kind of stuck in a lurch, right? They can't really go ahead but they also can't continue if they have started because it's that they need to fit the existing code, um, but they also need the new code to roll in, right? So they can't really do anything. And so there's all these builds and developments that are kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere. In Hamilton's case, you know, they're, they're having to slow down and take their time. They've stretched it out now until the end of September to be able to actually, you know, fix their issue to actually have a look, actually hear the public's opinion more before they finally make any decisions on how they're going to proceed. Yeah, and I suppose that's what Auckland's doing. They are, you know, they have delayed it so that um, they can hear more opinions. Yeah, which yeah, it's always a good thing. The thing is, like, even if they go ahead with, you know, rezoning a lot of areas, the I don't, I'm not sure if they consider the roads and the services. Um, I think only recently that Tierra Two Peninsula, which is a suburb in Auckland, sort of the central west area, so it is it, it's, it is getting a lot busy with all of the developments out there. Um, but there's only one main road, and there's only one way in and out because it is a peninsula. There's only one way in and out of the suburb, yeah. um, and 
yeah, it's already been, I think it is urban or suburban. Um, there are a lot of like three-story townhouses out there being built and apartment buildings, but no roads have been upgraded. Yeah. Um, they've only recently planned for a new bus system where um, a bus would go around the suburb, drop them off where the on-ramp is yeah. on the motorway, and then take another bus into wherever you need to go. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's a there's an inner system of uh, transportation, but then you still got to take another bus yeah, elsewhere. Right. Yeah. So the planning hasn't really been thought through, probably. And I guess so, this is why this this is what is a part of the planning, right? It's not just oh, does this house look good enough to be able to turn it into a new zone or not? Yeah. It's what's the implications of it after you make that change? What's going to happen here? Because especially in the single house zones, the minute they get changed, yep, definitely, there's going to be developments going on there because a lot of them are otherwise very close to schools or hospitals. Um, and the reason why they're single zoned is because they don't want high density houses around them because otherwise there'll be more traffic and ambulances need to get out of, in and out of there, for example. So, you know, if they make that change, what's it going to look like for the services that are trying to get in and out of that area, right? Mm. Is it going to be more difficult or is it, are they going to be able to figure out a way to make it easier? I mean, the, the ideal way to change um, zoning is if you are going to go high density, do consider parking space yes. because I feel like or I've heard somewhere that it's not a requirement when you're developing? It's not, it's not, um, yeah, it isn't a requirement from the council to build. A lot of lenders will require you to do it, otherwise they won't support it. Mm. Um, but it isn't a requirement from the council. You can simply just tell people to park on street, that's it. It isn't a requirement. The only requirement is that you have clear access for emergency services if someone needs to get there. Otherwise, there's no need. Yeah, well, if you're buying, if you're if you're wanting to build twelve townhouses on one street, <laughs> you're asking twelve families yeah. to park on the street. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. No, but and that's the thing, right? Is that just because it's one house doesn't mean there's only going to be one car. A lot of families oh, yeah. will have two or three nowadays, right? Um, and so for them to be able to go, oh, yeah, you guys can figure it out yourselves and just park on the street. Twelve houses at three cars each. For example, um, you know, 36 cars, where the hell are you going to park all those? <laughs> and so, yeah, the worry becomes, you know, what happens then is that you have these double-laned or, you know, one way going one way and the other going the other way. When cars park on either side, how wide is the actual road for actual traffic after you park a car on either side, right? Yeah. It won't be wide at all. Many Auckland suburbs aren't that wide. No. Uh, Flatbush is a great example of it. I'm in Flatbush and people park on both sides of the road. And so it becomes the single lane situation where yeah. <laughs> if you get to the if you get to the bunch of cars first, you have right away. But if the other person gets there first, you have to pull over into someone's driveway, let them drive through, and then you get to go right. Yeah. And so there's no there's no two two way crossing or like you know there's no roads where you share it with someone else going the other direction. It yeah. just becomes a one way road. And it does get worse when it's like peak traffic, let's say. So correct. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. And so, so this is put what that into consideration. I think. Yeah. Because not all of Hamilton's roads are going to be double-laned. No. A lot of them will be singled, so it'll be very tough when you start sticking high-density houses there. So, yeah, now the people of, of Hamilton are actually pushing for the government to take its time and actually think this through properly. Yeah, yeah. Right, so our last story, Keelan, comes from onenews.co.nz. Uh, this is a bit of a weird one because it is an Auckland waterfront property. They decided to secure their home by building a massive retaining wall. They're on a cliffside 
That's why they decided to do this. They were warned by council not to do it. They did it anyway. And now that they've been fined $41,000. Yep, that is a very big bill um, for what looked already looked to be a very big and expensive retaining wall. Um, so if you don't know, a retaining wall basically holds back the earth and the soil um, securely so that you can build on either side of it. So if you're building something at the top of the retaining wall, it's to stop the house from crumbling downwards. If you're building on the other end of it, it's to stop the earth from falling on top of you. Yep. Right? And they've built this quite massive uh, two 20-meter wide retaining walls um, with a total height of about 10 meters. So a 10 by 20-meter high um, it's huge. retaining wall. It is massive. Um, on the waterfront uh, in, in Beachlands. So the issue here is that they didn't get um, resource consent in order to build it. So resource consent is very important when it comes to especially things like retaining walls um, because what happens there is that it can affect the layout of the land. It mm. can affect other natural environments and things in the area. And so when it comes to this, it, it, you need to make sure that you have approval because the government and the council needs to know what's going on there because it could actually affect, say, the road at the top of it, or it could affect any houses or natural wildlife that are at the bottom of it. Yeah, and this would have been expensive from the start anyway, because like Kaelin said, it's massive. It is very expensive. Yeah, so uh, the K4 group is the one that have built it. Um, and it looks like it is a development group. Um, and it just looks like the, the chief the, looks like the chief group, the chief operator of the group, really just thought he could get it afterwards instead of applying for it before. Resource consent is a very important um, part of a development. If you're doing a large one like this, you definitely need to get approval before you do anything else. Yeah. Um, this is such a big risk as well. This is yeah. a massive retaining wall. It is. It is a massive, massive retaining wall. And so, you know, he was warned. He was warned. He still did it. Yeah. And now he's had to pay the fine for it. Um, now, so he's paid the fine. He obviously has to keep it there. Yes, it looks like they still gave it to him. But the issue is, is that it, it, it's, yeah, it's the fact that he didn't get permission for it before, and yeah. so now he has to pay an extra forty grand. Which I mean, if he is the developer and he is just going to flip these off and he's going to build five or six houses, it's not too much extra. But cheeky though. It is cheeky, and it also does put you in a negative light with the council going forward, right? Yeah. It puts you puts a spotlight on you. So if you ever decide to do anything like this again, they're going to watch you with more scrutiny. So better not to piss off the council if you can avoid it. <laughs> that's the number one rule when you're building. Don't piss off the governing entity that's going to either approve or disapprove your builds. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so don't go building massive retaining walls without talking to your council first because that could be the difference between getting a fine or getting denied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. Well, that's a weird end. Um, it's well, a very expensive end that I'm going to go with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to end it properly, this episode, uh, just a bit of sad news, guys. We do hate to end it on a sad news, but it's better to have it at the end rather than the start. This is our second to last episode of the season. Mm -hmm. mm. And so, yeah, it looks like we're just coming to a nice little round off um, for the season. Um, we've been surprised. I'm surprised we've made it this far. I'm surprised we've made it five months of doing this. You Good know, chemistry little, between little, us, Kia. That's why. A little over five months. Yeah, oh, yeah great chemistry. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we do really hope that you guys have all sat out there and really enjoyed it. 
for those who have listened um, and, um, you know, for those of you who didn't, we haven't heard your comments yet. So, I mean, we're just going to assume that you still like us. Oh, I think everyone does. I think I everyone think, loves yeah. us. Yeah, I think, I think so. to be honest, everybody does love us. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to ride that ego train all the way home. Um, so, you know, we do appreciate everything that everyone's done for us. We do appreciate you mm. listening to us, whether or not you've just thought that it's been a bit of weird car talk or <laughs> you've actually appreciated the property news. Yeah. Um, but besides that, you know, we really do hope that everybody has enjoyed the show and listening mm. to us. Um, and we do hope that, you know, you continue to listen to us, I guess. Yeah, we got one left after this. We got one more left after yeah. this to round off the season. Yeah. After that, um, who knows? Maybe we'll have a big celebratory one for the last one. We'll Yeah, maybe we'll invite someone fun. Some some party streamers. Yeah. Do you know no how to get, guarantees. You know how to get a hold of Patrick Gow? <laughs> no. You can get Patty on. <laughs> Um, just to clarify as well, as a bit of context, yeah, the reason why we are ending, ending this season um, is because Keelan and I are leaving. Uh, we're, we found new jobs. We found new horizons to Unfortunately, explore. Yeah, we, we've had to, we, we, we've decided we're going to go explore, explore the new world, try, try some new things. Um, so uh, unfortunately, that, that means that we can't continue the podcast with I everybody think, uh, not in the weekdays well not not we can't follow we this can't, is this is a teaser we, you know, we you can't know really cliffhanger for the next uh, next season next hopefully. season if we yeah if we come around to it who knows you never know yeah but you know um unfortunately it, it's become a point now where we we've decided that we've needed to look at something new mm. decided fresh change fresh environment not to say that this hasn't been fun oh this has been great this has been absolutely brilliant. I've absolutely loved working here. I've absolutely loved being able to come in here and do a podcast with everybody. Yeah. Um, and I hope everybody's loved and wanted to listen to us, no matter yeah. how annoying my voice can be, <laughs> especially when it's got the flu. But, you know, otherwise, um, you know, it's been a really great time doing this show. Yeah, and, totally. And I really hope everyone else yeah, has enjoyed well, it. Well, let's save the goodbyes for the actual last episode. One yeah, yeah. Um, but in saying that, hopefully nobody's too sad. The next episode, we'll try and make it a celebratory one. They're going to be um, celebrating more than we are that, yeah, we're off the radio, that we're off the air. <laughs> They're going to be celebrating more than we are. But anyway, if you have any more feedback for the last episode, any suggestions, please, we'd, uh, we do welcome it. Um, so you can email us at keepingyourhousewarm at finax.co.nz. That is F-I-N-A-X dot co dot N-Z. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, so I guess have a good rest of the week. Enjoy your week, guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See ya. Bye.